eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, a lot of things have happened since our last podcast. Um, maybe not all of them good for Florida. Uh, I want to kind of just recap some of the news that's happened in the last week or so uh, since our last podcast. Uh, a couple things recruiting, a couple things with the team. Uh, I guess the big one is Isaiah Walker, a four-star transfer from Florida. I mean, sorry, four-star uh, signee with Florida from the 2020 class announced he's going to transfer and he's already picked a transfer destination. He's heading back home towards Miami. Uh, so Blake, that was a guy that I think, you know, for the most part, many Florida fans thought had a chance to get on the field early. How much does that news hurt Florida? You know, I don't know that it's something that hurts Florida so much this year, because I think, uh, a lot of the guys that need to step up for Florida are, you know, those guys that are in that 19 class. And, you know, I, I certainly think that Walker was a guy that probably would have got his feet wet this, this uh, you know, coming season just from the fact that he was really talented and he really does have a lot of upside. And you could even see just from how he developed, you know, even through high school from his junior year to his senior year, you know, he kind of got a little bit more trimmed out, you know, a little bit more lean, you know, kind of really started to look more like that, you know, prototypical left tackle, you know, kind of build there. So I think in that sense, it, it really does hurt Florida down the road, you know, certainly. Certainly, um, you have a guy like that who's, who's going to be probably the future left tackle for your team or, you know, was at least in the plans of that. And obviously, you know, a quick turnaround and it's the second year in a row where Florida's had one of their highest uh, signees, you know, transfer before their first game at Florida. So, you know, it, it certainly is a blow for Florida. Um, I don't know so much about this year, but, you know, down the road, you know, you don't want to especially have gaps along the offensive line whenever you're doing your recruiting in your depth chart. Yeah, and that's one of the things we talked about in previous podcasts at a couple positions when it comes to recruiting, you know, defensive tackle being another one where they have four seniors this year. And then you look back and Jalen Humphreys is like the next guy class wise after that. And he's a he's a redshirt freshman. So you've got some experience gaps in there. And I think on the offensive line, you're starting to see that a little bit at tackle. And so to lose a guy like an Isaiah Walker, who not only is one of your most talented prospects at tackle, but I mean, honestly, you just need bodies there at this point. You know, Stone Forsyth and John DeLance are both gone after this year. And the next most experienced guy after that is Richard Guraj, who just played, you know, sparingly as a, as a redshirt freshman last season. Uh, so you're going to you're getting to the point down the road where you're going to have some really young offensive tackles. And uh, to, to lose one of your good ones, you know, your, your really good freshman that you're counting on. You know, obviously you still have a Joshua Braun. Uh, you know, Gerald Mincy is maybe an under the radar signee that they signed last last cycle. But. I mean, you're just down there on numbers. I mean, you're talking Guraj, Michael Tarquin, Mincy, and Braun at this point. Um, 
I, I think we've talked about it previously. Like offensive line is absolutely an area that Florida is going to have to focus on now in recruiting. Uh, and that was the case before Walker transfers. But uh, I think Blake, maybe, maybe one of the bigger question marks that the, the Walker transfer leaves. And again, every, every transfer is its own decision, right? So it's hard to make too much in, in terms of calling it a trend, but Florida lost a couple guys early from its last class uh, as well with Chris Steele and Jalen Jones transferring out. And then, you know, obviously Chris Bleich was a guy, uh, you know, similar sort of story where, you know, a guy that was playing pretty early and, and ended up transferring from the program. Blake, are you concerned at all that, that that's maybe a trend or is there anything from an evaluation standpoint that's going wrong to maybe cause that? Or is it case by case? You know, I, I think it's case by case. You know, I, I certainly think that there, whenever you have guys that you've signed in back-to-back years that factor, you know, they were, if one of the higher guys in your class signing and, and you know, you don't even get the first game of them out of them. I, I think there's something to follow there. And I think there's, you know, there is a trend that so certainly seems to be coming. I don't know that this, you know, something wrong with the program or anything like that. I, I just think it's, it's hard to look in hindsight, you know, through the recruiting process to see some of these things. You know, I think Chris Steele, you know, you have a guy that was on the other side of the country. Um, obviously, there were some other things, you know, just with him and, you know, a lot going on. But, you know, the distance, I think, is it. it it's another thing where it's hard whenever you feel homesick, you know, and you have those things that, you know, I don't know if they were the biggest factor there, but it certainly seems to be, you know, something that made it a little bit tougher for him um, and, you know, went back closer to home. Uh, Isaiah Walker, you know, again, another guy that I don't know that you could have seen, you know, that he was going to be homesick or he was going to, you know, have, you know, just having a tough time being a freshman. I, I think every freshman has struggles when they first start out. You know, you go from being the big fish in the small pond, you know, to a bigger pond and you kind of have to grow and you have developed. So, you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of these things happen to a lot of guys, but, you know, it's just I don't know if it's something you can see through the recruiting process. It's just something that's really unfortunate because, you know, Isaiah Walker, it it certainly seems that, you know, just being, you know, really far from, you know, not even really far, I guess, five hours. It really doesn't seem very far to me, but to him, it was, um, you know, going back and staying closer to home kind of backs up the fact that, you know, he does want to be closer. And I think you could see that with Chris Steele. Um, You know, he went back to Oregon and, you know, obviously when he got the chance to go to USC, that's where he went. So, um, I just think it's just something unfortunate that's played out. And, you know, I don't know that it's something you can see through recruiting trail. So I don't know that it's, you know, something you would have to look for through that. I just think it's something that it stinks for Florida, no doubt. Here, here's a question. Was Chris Steele committed to USC at any point in the process? I don't he was. remember. He was. I'm just but he was also a guy, too, that, you know, gave a yeah. lot of schools indications that he was coming. You know, there were quite a few schools through that process that felt good. And I guess you could sort of see it with Isaiah. Um, you know, he was he feeling Florida. South Carolina, right? Right. Well, he was really interested in Florida early on. You know, McElwain were, was there. and Randy Shannon was there, who had a lot of ties to Norland High School, which were, was where Isaiah went. So there were, you know, heavy interest in Florida early on. That staff gets scrapped. He committed to South Carolina. Uh Kind of knew whenever the big three, you know, Florida State, Florida, who had really started pushing when, you know, Mullen and them got in. It kind of picked up where McElwain and them left off. But you see the big three pushing, kind of bounced around to three of those. I mean, I think for the most part, the odds on favorite through this whole thing was kind of Florida because he just seemed to kind of trend to them. But I I guess that's something you could see through the recruiting process, which, you know, I guess I didn't think of at the time until now. It's just these were guys that did bounce around to a lot of schools, you know, maybe didn't commit to all of them, but certainly did court a lot of schools and did give them the time of day. And a lot of some of these schools at some point all felt that they were definitely in the picture to land these guys. Well, and that, uh, the reason I think you have to think about that is because if, if you are Dan Mullen and, you know, this is multiple classes now where you've lost one of your higher rated guys, um, 
I mean, that's something you have to consider and you got to figure out, okay, what are we missing in the evaluation process, particularly with, you know, Chris Steele and, and Isaiah Walker, two guys that both get homesick. And now obviously very different situations with Steele being all the way across the country and, and Walker being from relatively close, you know, down in South Florida. Um, but that, I think that's something they got to look at and they got to consider because, you know, we've been talking about Florida's recruiting, maybe not quite being on that, you know, that Georgia, that LSU level and, um, that's just what's on paper. You start losing the guys on paper that are, you know, making up the top half of your, you know, your top 10 classes. Uh, that's problematic because those are guys that you don't get to use. And not that other schools don't have some of these same transfers and these defections. Um, but like the other thing we, you know, we haven't really talked about is Florida's had guys that, you know, they signed that are highly rated and then didn't get in with that class as well. So I think there's just some issues for me, um, in terms of, you know, that's something that I would like to see Florida improve because clearly Dan Mullen and his staff can coach. They've proven that uh, the real key for me now is how do you get that talent level up to where you're you're within striking range of Georgia? Even if you don't actually fully close that talent gap, how do you get it close enough so that you can beat them on the field in Jacksonville? And as soon as Dan Mullen and his staff do that, I think that, you know, the ceiling is very much championship like this team can win championships. This program can win championships. I don't know if I can say that until we start to see them clean up a few of these holes in the roster when it comes to class balancing, uh, when it comes to making sure that some of your top players at least make it to game one of their fresh, true freshman season. Um, it, it's just a slight concern for me, and um, maybe it's not end up. Maybe it doesn't end up being a big deal down the road. Maybe we look back at this and, and kind of laugh for ever having questioned it a little bit. Um, but for me, it is. It is a little bit of a concerning trend. Uh, Blake, there was some other news uh, before we get to kind of the second half of the, you know, the show today. Uh, I wanted to kind of focus a little bit on recruiting because that's one of the few things that really is kind of happening right now, so to speak, with no sports really on the docket. Can you go ahead and walk us through? Florida seemed to appear on the radar uh, late in the process for a four-star receiver from South Florida, and uh, he ended up committing to Alabama. But can you just walk us through whether or not what your thoughts are on quote unquote that miss or whether it really even was a miss. You know, I think it was a miss, you know, whenever you felt like you were in it and you felt like you were legitimately in it and you don't land and them. So, I sorry, think, let me, let me clarify too. The guy we're talking about for, sure. for those that aren't, aren't clear is four star walk wide receiver, Corey Brooks out of Miami, like borderline five-star prospect here. Right. So Corey Brooks, um, for the most part through the recruitment, just to kind of set the table here was, uh, not a, I wouldn't say a fairly heavy lean, but was a projected guy that looked like, you know, Alabama's whenever that bridge was going to be crossed. Alabama was along the team there, but visited Florida on March 7th for a junior day. Visit seemed to go really well. Florida was kind of pressing this new NLI stuff to you know the name, image, likeness stuff, pressing that button of, you know, successfully being able to sell those kind of things in your name and your brand and your home state. Um, you know, it's obviously easier and you can kind of start that off at, at <clears throat> maybe an earlier pace there whenever you're in your home state such as that. So there, there certainly seemed to be some some traction from from the Brooks camp and the side there. And they were really listening throughout this you know entire quarantine so far in the dead period. You know, Florida's kept in good conversations. Tim Brewster, Brian Johnson, Dan Mullen, um, you know, just quite a few guys in the recruiting office, you know, kept in touch with them. So the talks have been good. Uh, Tuesday on the 5th, um, it was May 5th, I believe, because uh, – I got word um, earlier in the week that, you know, maybe something was cooking up for Florida, that Ja'Cory Brooks, who at the time, you know, again, you know, people were thinking Alabama lean. So when I got the call um, that Ja'Cory Brooks was, you know, really kind of leaning towards Florida um, early in the week, looking like, you know, Florida was kind of appearing here as somewhat a dark horse. And it was kind of random to me because, you know, he was on my radar, a guy who's visited Florida, but 
just wasn't a guy that I was really even, you know, kind of thinking of putting into a mock class or penciling in in any kind of way at that point. So it was a little bit of, you know, kind of catching me off guard. So I look more into it. And I kind of start to, you know, maybe check on if maybe it's just a smoke screen or, you know, something kind of popping up or, you know, whatever. You know, and at this time, there was no announcement date or anything. So uh, I, I kind of look more into it. Um, and, and it turns out that actually Brooks had given Florida some indication that, you know, that they were going to be the pick. Um, on Tuesday of the week, the kid actually later in the week did set an announcement for a Friday decision. So on Tuesday, he's letting Florida know, you know, I'm coming. Things kind of play out through the week. Alabama apparently had scheduled earlier in the week, had already had a virtual tour set up or, you know, not a tour, maybe just a, you know, a Zoom call of some sort to have to talk with the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what he saw around campus or whatever. So this had already been set up. Um, Alabama was kind of the dark horse, you know, at, at this point seemed like it in the recruitment just because, you know, the camp was seemed to be leading Florida. Everything was p- pointing to Florida at this point. Florida felt good, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, so Nick Saban, you know, the ultimate cl- closer, gets him on the phone or on the Zoom call, and they have this conversation, um, and he actually lets Nick Saban know, um, you know, I'm coming. And uh, we were actually told that shortly after that was whenever Brooks put out his tweet of making his decision, and, um, you know, the smoke started to collect more and more this night leading up before the decision of Alabama. Um, obviously, he picked Alabama that Friday, and, uh, you know, here we are. He's an Alabama commit. Yeah, and Blake, I, I mean – Again, this appeared so late on the radar that I don't know that it materially affects Florida's class a whole bunch. I mean, sure. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong there, but it seems like they still have plenty of options on the board at receiver. They do. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I think it's a it, it's an unfortunate event whenever it's a guy that you think that you know you have a shot at. Um, you know, sometimes these recruitments just play out, you know, I mean, I, I say it all the time. A lot of these kids at some point just want to make the wow factor. Um, and you know, you think you have a kid here. He was looking like an Alabama lean. I think Florida did catch his eye there. Um, you know, it obviously didn't per- play out that way. So I kind of look at things a little bit of a different way here. You know, you have a guy who's one of the elite guys in the state of Florida. You know, it's a guy that Florida should be landing. Sure. That checks that box off is, you know, what makes this unfortunate. You have an idea that he was coming. Sure. But I think at the end of the day, like you said, there's plenty of options left on Florida's board. I don't think this is a guy that make or breaks the class for Florida. You know, by missing him, I don't think anything falls apart. You know, Florida still has a good shot of adding some guys that are on their wide receiver board that they really like. So, you know, in a sense, yes, it it stings because this is one of the top guys in Florida. And, you know, we sit here on the podcast and we talk about how Florida's next step is, you know, taking that next step landing a guy like Ja'Cory Brooks and, you know, winning these battles against Alabama. And who's to say, you know, Brooks has kind of made some indications that he still wants to be recruited. He still wants to take some visits down the road. I think that's what we're going to see with a lot of these guys that make these commitments during the dead period. Not to say that their commitments aren't real or anything such as that, but I think these guys that aren't able to take real visits, um, I think that these guys, whether they're committed or not now, they're going to take visits down the road. So, you know, maybe the door's not completely shut. Florida obviously has an uphill climb because it's never easy to flip a guy like that. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, again, you know, it's a sting for Florida being a big time guy like that, but Florida will still be okay as far as wide receivers if they can continue to kind of reel in on some of these other targets at least. All right, Blake. Well, let's take a quick break. I have some more thoughts on recruiting, and we have a commitment to get to uh, within the last week that I want to discuss with you right on the other side of this break, guys. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, I want to start off talking about Florida's newest commitment and then kind of I've got to pivot uh, a little bit into kind of bigger picture Florida's recruiting right now. It doesn't seem like there's a ton of momentum. Um, and again, that's having said they just got a commitment. Uh, why don't you walk us through who this commitment is, how he's rated, and uh, you know, kind of how Florida ended up with him. Sure. It's a guy out of Lynn Haven up in the Panhandle area of uh, North Florida, Adrian Strickland. Uh, he's currently unranked. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a three-star type of guy whenever he does get a ranking on 24-7 sports. He's a little bit of a, a kind of a late bloomer, so to say, um, as far as offers. Um, Florida offered, uh, I think it was like the 30th of April, they extended an offer in there. He visited for a junior day on March 7th. He's a guy that had been in, in conversations with Coach Hevesy, more so his coach, you know, just kind of sending film back and forth. He's a guy that's at least listed right now. I don't know, complete verifications or numbers on his height and weight, but right now he's listed on his profile at six foot six, three 330 pounds. So he's certainly got the size of a guy that John Hevesy looks for in an offensive lineman. He likes those big guys that can kind of plug and just be like the great wall that just like runs you over. Um, and that's certainly what he shows on his film. He's a guy that's really powerful and, you know, has that size. And so I think he checks out there, but I think he's a guy that's – and again, John Hevesy is one who does trust his evaluations on offensive linemen, and I think he's one that, especially in this time of the coronavirus, and you can't go out and you can't see a lot of these guys in spring football. So I think in this point, you have to trust your evaluations more than anything um, right now as far as recruiting goes. And I think that's from a ranking standpoint. That's from a coaching standpoint. You just have to trust your evaluations for what you see on film. So. I think Hevesy is seeing kind of a diamond and a rough guy here that he can kind of improve and, you know, kind of tweak some things with some coaching. You know, that size again, um, you know, it's kind of hard to coach. You know, I think as far as technical things, things definitely need to be worked on, you know, playing high, kind of cleaning things up, you know, in the past game, you know, he's a little stiff. So, I mean, there, there are things to work on here, but I mean, obviously Hevesy is a great developer. So if he's a guy that can take the coaching and he can take, you know, you know, keeping a positive mindset and, you know, working hard. And he certainly seems like a kid like that um, who, who's a kind of a hard worker. And he kind of has that Hevesy mentality, you know, where he's a tough kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of focusing on business. So I, I think that uh, it's a guy that I don't know that I see him jumping out and being this immediate impact guy or maybe even an impact guy early on. But I, from what I've seen from him, I think he's a guy that you can move around between guard and tackle. I don't know if that's necessarily a left tackle guy, but I think you can plug him in at some guard, throw him in at the right tackle just because he gives you some flexibility there. So I think he's 
he's a plug and play guy that maybe down the road could be a depth guy for Florida. Um, like I said, I think you know you're gonna gonna need to see these 2019 signees. You know some of these guys in the 20 class, like a Joshua Braun, or you know some of these other guys. Um, you know J- uh, Gerald Mincy, uh, Richie Leonard. Some of those guys are gonna have to kind of take that next step for Florida, which is good for Strickland because it gives them a chance to get into the program, kind of get the rust worked out and things there, and you can kind of see where you where you go from there. But um, maybe mold his body a little bit. I mean, again, there's just things that need to be worked on here. But I think uh, there's certainly something there, and I think that Hevesy can probably get something out of that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, his track record at Mississippi State was certainly pretty good. And, uh, you know, while you were describing Strickland there, my, my thought process was kind of, that sounds a lot like Ethan White last year, you know, who was a guy that fans weren't super thrilled. Or, I, I say fans. I, the, the people that follow recruiting kind of hardcore, you know, our subscribers on Swamp247.com. Uh, weren't necessarily thrilled with that take uh, a year and ago. I think and I that's something too. Whenever you, regardless of fan base, whatever, whenever a team like Florida that's a big D one program, regardless of rankings check out or not, when you see a kid land in the thousands at a school like Florida, I think that does bring questions for a fan base. Anybody, no doubt. I mean, I, at the time, I'm thinking like, really, at this point, but. You know, you see how things playing out. An offensive line is, I'm sure, was something that you were going to get to. I'm sorry to cut you off, but offensive no, no. line is a hard position to really evaluate. Sometimes you don't know how things go without some of the coaching and how they balance in a program like that. It is, and the one thing that John Hevesy absolutely loves, if you look across the board at 90% of the takes on the offensive line he's had, he wants size, man. He wants just huge guys, and if you remember back to – you know, uh, when Hevesy worked with Steve Adazio on Florida's offensive line back in the Urban Meyer years, they just had huge guys. Like, you know what I mean? And they were all strong. And certainly, you know, the Pounces have proven they had an unbelievable amount of talent. And, uh, you know, certainly Marquise was rated as such coming out of high school. But bottom line, he he got, you know, a lot from guys like Carl Johnson, from Marcus Gilbert. Like, he just wants those huge frames and then he can work with them. And when you see what Nick Savage has been able to do with some of these players at Florida in the strength and conditioning program, um, I, for me, that offensive line is really one of those positions where I'm not going to give Florida a whole lot of grief for taking a kid that's maybe rated a little bit lower. Um, Blake, one thing I did want to talk about, um, cause it's been kind of on my mind a little bit with, I guess you would say the lull in recruiting, you know, as, as other programs land some of these four and five stars, you know, Tennessee's on a little bit of a roll right now, Florida really, for the most part, hasn't gotten any of those, you know, elite guys in the last month or two, really since this coronavirus shutdown, um, for me, I, I've seen that this Florida staff s- tends to do a lot better on the recruiting trail when they can be in front of kids, when they can have them on campus for spring practices, for uh, junior day weekends, for games in the fall. They seem to be very good at that. And I know that you've been using the phrase a lot on Swamp 24-7 when talking with our members, our subscribers. It's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. Um, is that part of what's going on here right now with just the lull in UF recruiting that they're, it, this staff maybe doesn't do quite as well when they can't get that in face, you know, in person time? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they do a lot better when they have a season to kind of promote. You have a game day atmosphere. You have, you know, kind of this staff just seems very passionate about the campus. And I think mm-hmm. they do a really good job of these guys and families on campus selling the academics that Florida has. You know, obviously, not every kid cares about that. If you would have told me how good the academics are at Florida at 17, I wouldn't have given a crap. My mom would have loved that, though. Yeah. So I think that that's something that people really do kind of soak up with the staff on campus. And I think at this point, yeah, there's a lull. And I just don't, I, I, and I don't mean to discredit other schools, but I just don't know that Florida's really good at kind of the off season talking. 
Right. Some schools are, you know, and that's about recruiting and, you know, kind of that slick talk and being able to kind of sell these kids on a dream and not to say that Florida can't do that. But I think that this staff is really upfront. They're very blunt about things. They're very honest in things about, you know, coming in and working hard. And, you know, I think that you can sell that better whenever you have a hardworking team that you can see the, you know, the, the, the improvements, you know, from year one to year two, you can come in and see the practice and the work these coaches put in and how good they are at coaching. And, you know, you can kind of sell their genuine appreciation for the campus and things like that. So I think I, I agree with you. The staff does really well in live person recruiting. And there is a little bit of a lull right now. And I think Florida had some uh, some positives early on and filling some spots early on, you know, kind of early in the cycle, they were one of the classes right. with a big number, right? They're not a lot of spots left. Sure. And, you know, you add some guys, we obviously added to the commitment list that Florida, you know, these guys still have to get in from the Juco ranks, but a Diavi Hammond and a Dewan black. I mean, Florida at this point is, you know, kind of sitting at a pretty fat number of commits. Sure. A lot of schools have kind of caught up there and Florida's had some decommitments since, you know, the, uh, the dead period has kind of rolled in and, um, there's still a lot of targets left for Florida on the board, but Florida had the the luxury of really early buzz, kind of landing these guys early on, had some big junior days and a lot of success. And I think that that was, you know, kind of connected with how we said they recruit really well in person and you have this lull. So I think at this point, Florida's kind of weathering the storm, you know, and Adrian Strickland is a guy that probably was an easy one to get on board because Florida was a leader as soon as they offered. And it kind of seemed like a matter of time there. So you get some news there. doesn't really kind of move the needle, but you kind of want to get some things rolling. I think Florida has a great shot. I have a crystal ball in for Charles Montgomery, who makes his commitment on May 24th between Florida in Maryland. He's an all-purpose back athlete type of guy uh, out of Sefner Armwood in Central Florida. So, you know, there's another guy that I think Florida could land that kind of gets a little bit of momentum going on. Christian Leary is another guy, a four-star wide receiver slot guy out of Orlando. Uh, he's making his commitment on June 6th. I think it's still very much a battle for Florida there. I think Ohio State is somewhat mentioned in there. I mean, he'll, he'll mention them a lot. They're showing interest, but I think it's a three-team battle big time. Florida, Oklahoma, Alabama. So uh, another guy that Florida could have a shot at land that's a top two four seven guy, one of the best slots, one of the fastest guys in the 2021 class. So Florida can kind of get some buzz there. You really want to start to get those kind of battles. I think Leary would be a big battle for Florida um, to win. Obviously, Oklahoma and Alabama are no slouches on the recruiting trail either. Um, but Florida is the in-state school there. I know his mom really wants him in-state. So, I mean, there's a lot of things to give Florida some credit for in this recruitment. So, I think that could kind of get some things bumming, uh, buzzing for Florida. And then, hopefully, it kind of carries, carries you out of this dead period unless the NCAA does stretch things out. Uh, I think that that does hurt Florida because, again, they do such a good job of kind of selling things in person. So, if Florida can kind of get back to official visit weekends and things in the summer if that plays out that way or they can get to the season and kind of selling things there I think they'll be okay because again they've got a lot of top targets on the board they still have I think it's the number six class without looking right now on the 24-7 sports ranking so there's a lot to like about Florida here I, I, sure there's been some guys that have dropped off the board I don't know that all of the guys you've seen that have you know maybe had a Florida offer were all guys that Florida was actively you know going after right, but right. I think it's more so at this point Florida's fans and, and people are sitting around seeing other schools, you know, have some success on the recruiting trail and Florida's not really having so much. So I, I understand the frustrations, but Florida can kind of pick things up here by landing some of these guys going forward. And I think at this point, weathering the storm is good for Florida, getting through this part where maybe you don't really succeed at and kind of carrying that into a season where Florida does a really good job at. And another good season for Florida, you know, year three, having more success under Dan Mullen, I think would do this staff kind of give him that kick in the butt to kind of jump things back. Yeah, well, I mean, more success at this point is pretty much playing in Atlanta for an SEC championship. Uh, to, t to put a bow kind of on the in-person, you know, campus visits kind of thing with this staff, uh, one guy we kind of forgot to mention, 
five-star running back Zach Evans from the 2020 class uh, was a guy that, Blake, we talked about a lot on the podcast. Florida felt yeah. pretty good about if they could get him to campus. Right. Uh, unfortunately, weren't able to do that, and Evans went ahead and enrolled at TCU. So that's a little bit of a blow, too. You know, Florida will probably need to land a running back in this class at this point. I know you mentioned, you know, Montgomery, the four-star back that's, you know, kind of more of a hybrid, you know, back receiver, can kind of do it all. Um, that'll be important. But, uh, Blake, one thing that Florida staff has moved towards doing right now is virtual visits. Uh, how have those gone so far? What's the early feedback on those? And and do you think that's a way that Florida can maybe kind of minimize the the fact that they're not necessarily getting quite as much in-person time with these recruits right now? Yeah, I definitely think so. I, I mean, I've only taught Florida started them on Monday. Um, they've done a couple so far just to kind of paint the picture. Florida did one one on Monday. Uh, four star defensive end Kelvin Gillum. Uh, he really had a great visit. This is a guy from Virginia that's never visited Florida. Um, they had one on Tuesday with a guy in state, uh, Terry on Arnold. He's a number two safety on the top 247 rankings in the entire country. He has been to Florida before, but this is more so kind of getting a chance for him and his mom to be on a Zoom call. Um, his mom has not visited Florida. On Wednesday, Florida's had a couple guys. Uh, this morning, they had Donovan. Uh, what was his last name? McMillan. Uh, Donovan McMillan. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a defensive back from out in Pennsylvania. He's a four-star guy. Another top two four seven guy. Um, Caleb Johnson, a guy right there in Ocala that just landed an offer from Florida uh, at a Trinity Catholic in Ocala. He's a guy that'll be on campus doing his virtual thing. He should be doing it, I think, right now as we record. Um, so he'll be there with the staff. So, uh, you know, they're getting those things in peace. Another four-star guy on Thursday, Yusuf. I (laughs) I don't know how to say his last name. (laughs) Don't make me say it, but he'll be there um, on campus. He's a guy out of Murphy High School in North Carolina. Another guy that's never visited before. Florida's going to have one of their top uh, linebackers on uh, on a virtual visit on Friday in Xavier and Sori. So, I mean, Florida's going to have some big-time guys on campus doing some of these visits this week. And, you know, from the guys I've talked to so far, they've gone really well. And I think, again, this is where you see Florida where they're really passionate about, you know, selling their campus. So, I mean, essentially you're jumping on a Zoom call uh, you know, your parents and you and jumping on there and they're taking you around campus. If you've never been to campus, they're taking you and driving you around. Uh, you know, Gillum told me that, you know, he's never seen live alligators before and they took him to Lake Alice and showed him, you know, the little gators in there. So, I mean, to kids like that who can't see these things, it's cool to them. You know, you take them to the dorms and you show them how that looks like. Uh, you know, you're talking to the academic guys. You know, Terion was talking about how he wanted to do some things in business. So he's able to talk to people in the business school. Uh, you're talking to nutritionists. You're talking to the trainers. You're talking to Nick Savage. You're talking to all the coaches in there. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that these kids do. And, uh, you know, it was funny when I talked to Gillum. This was, you know, my first interview doing talking to someone who's done a virtual tour just because, you know, I'm not really sure how to expect things. Um, and he said that he did another one with another school, and I didn't ask who the school was. But it was basically him just sitting on a Zoom call and watching YouTube videos of, you know, them kind of showing things around the school and how Florida was really different where they are interactive and they take you around school and they actually show you some of these things live. So I think it's going to be a pretty successful deal for Florida just because the kids that have talked about it have really, really talked them up. They've really liked them. I don't think it's a lot of lip service that these kids are giving. Um Sure, I mean, I've only talked to guys that have done two of them so far, so I mean, there's still more body of work to see how these visits go and stuff, but I think it's a really good point for Florida here because they can really kind of sell these things to to some of these kids that, A, 
or top targets for Florida, and you can just get in there and show the parents things, and you can talk to the parents again because it's always good to get the parents in there and make a decision like that for those guys that are the in-state guys. And then on the guys that are out of state, I mean, this is their first time seeing campus, so you don't have to wait all the way deep into the summer and try to fight for an official visit when there's only three weekends unless they move some kind of dead period around. You're not fighting for one of three visits, or you're not fighting for an official visit later on and getting only one visit, one chance to show you know your campus to these kids for an official visit late. So I think it's going to be pretty successful for Florida. I don't know that it leads to commitments or what happens here because, again, I have to see how the body of work goes from these things, and I don't know that seeing a school through the Internet is going to lead to any kind of commitment. But I think it Probably does <laughs> just continue to kind of string things along for Florida to kind of con- just continue to stay in some of these recruitments or maybe even make yeah. a little bit more of an impression for guys that really had no idea what to expect beforehand. Well, if nothing else, I mean, it helps you build the bond with those assistants, you know, Dan Mullen that are showing you around. So I, I don't think it can be a bad thing. Uh, but, Blake, uh, unless you have anything else, that'll do it for us today. No, I guess uh, I'm free of the Zach Evans news. I don't really know what to think about it. I think Zach Evans made the most Zach Evans move going to TCU. So um, glad to put a little bow on that recruitment. Yeah, no, I know that one was one that uh, kind of dragged on for a while there after he signed with Georgia and then got out of the letter of intent. But uh, all right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week with more on the Swamp 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.